Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other technology topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by my co-host Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Shaheen Khan from Orion X. Now let's get to the show. Hello again. We are back with another amazing episode of Radio Free HPC. And again, we're not just going to phone it in this time. We're going to really try and do a good show. I'm Dan Olds, along with Shane Kahn and Henry S. Newman. And Henry, you're in uh, another airport, right? I am in an airport. Salt Lake this time. Nice. The Delta Club? <clears throat> Delta Club. Excellent. And Shaheen, you are comfortably ensconced in your home office? In the heart of Silicon Valley, that'd be us. Yes, it is, and I'm up here in Beavertron, Oregon. Did it ever stop raining in the valley? Uh, it's a beautiful day today, but it was pouring last night. It rained all the way to the Oregon border when I was driving back home from GTC-19. And GTC is, is what again, then? Uh, it is the <laughs> NVIDIA. Um, I know. Okay, just want to make sure it's the, the annual NVIDIA event about all things GPU, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I spent uh, the week down there, and there were some amazing things to see and hear. Give us a synopsis. Well, okay. To start with, there was a incredibly comprehensive keynote given by Jensen, which is usually the highlight of the show. Uh, it was billed for two hours. He went uh, two hours and, let's say, 47 minutes. All I know is it was 98 gig of data on my camera because I like to record wow. it and get the speed <laughs> screenshot. 98 gig, which was incredible. And he covered everything from uh, starting off with ray tracing and gaming and their new gaming alliance, which is kind of cool if you're a gamer. Uh, they're setting up um, ways for people to game online. And uh, there are data centers that are snapping that up, wanting the workload. Also talked a lot about NVIDIA development and things like that. And of course, it wouldn't be complete without talking about their automotive and their robotics. But the thing that I honed in on, of course, is uh, statements that he made about HPC. He did bring up uh, the CEO of Mellanox and talked a bit about how they were going to be working together. But the real statement that made my ears prick up was him saying that in the future, a most, if not the predominant share of HPC and enterprise workloads will be AI. And I don't doubt that. I don't either. I don't either. And I think we've kind of been saying this for a couple of years, haven't we? We have. And I think maybe others as well. That Well, but mostly it's, us. It, it, I mean, we're the ones that make the market and, <laughs> and change yes, hearts and minds. We totally said it first, right? That's what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But but clearly this AI is coming and it's impacting all sorts of workloads, including enterprise applications. And of course, that's the fuel behind NVIDIA and other GPUs and accelerators being more accepted uh, in data centers and cloud environments. And he basically uh, said that the computers of the future in enterprise will be HPC-like systems. I have been saying that forever. I think the future of enterprise computing and data center is HPC. I, I say it a little differently. I think the future of HPC is deep learning. 
No, I think the future of deep learning is HPC. HPC is the only thing that makes AI even worth talking about. AI has been languishing for 50 years, doing kind of nothing. Well, not nothing, but not like it is not now. Not much. I mean, it was... Exp- what, it what was- made it interesting was deep learning, and deep learning is basically HPC. It's enabled by HPC. It's the way I see it. I, I have always seen AI as a subset of HPC rather than different, even though I understand there is inference, it is, you know... But to me, that's like saying, you know, because there is a there's a there's a beaker in the lab. A computational chemistry is not quite HPC. Well, you know, it is. Gene, I have a question. Please. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that everything in HPC was 64-bit floating point or 32-bit floating point. Yep. I think it's a little different in my mind. I think if you define HPC as 64-bit computing, then yes. But if you define HPC as try and make sense of data, which it always kind of has been, if you define it as an early adopter market, then 64-bit is just one of its many innovations. And you would say that mixed precision is another. And mixed precision to the extent that it can serve as a gas pedal for power consumption long-term? Yeah, I think that would be an innovation. Mixed precision as in, hey, look, I can fit a curve with 8 bits instead of 16 or 16 instead of 32. I think that's just a good uh, benchmarking speed up technique. I, I'm, I'm unsure that people are going to be able to automatically, or not people, or people write compilers and automatically change to mixed precision just given the input data and the range of potential range of values. I, I understand. I'm kind of envisioning a fantasy land where uh, the, the 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 error margin is being tracked, and as it grows, your precision increases, and as it shrinks, it reduces. But I don't even know if that's possible. And you'd have to go back and do it because you've now lost all the data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> and then just monitoring the error margin may cost you more than what you're saving. <laughs> yeah, but but what about this this whole idea that that enterprise workloads are going to be essentially run on HPC systems because of the AI. What does this mean for the market? What's this mean for vendors? I think it means great things for HPC vendors because uh, they're going to finally be more mainstream than than, than something on the cor- in the corner of the data center. Henry? I, I still am questioning whether you call that HPC. Okay, so whatever you call it, it's a blend of HPC and deep learning. It seems to me the same industry that's, that's, that's attacking it. Well, look at it from a machine configuration. Those machines are going to be configured like HPC systems with uh, multiple GPUs, with high-speed interconnects, I would think. Um, so to me, that's, that's HPC. In fact, it might actually just be healthy to not worry about the labels. You know, call it whatever you want. You know, whether it's AI, deep learning, HPC, there's a class of computing that is computationally intense. Uh, it is computationally dense, not just intense. Yes. And by compute density, I mean things like accelerators. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a new kind of architecture that is emerging that is based on accelerators of various types and maybe mixed precision, whatever you call that, I would say right now what we currently call the HPC community has a commanding presence in that market segment. If they maintain that, well, then that would be the community that's going to drive it. 
well, they have a commanding presence in the HPC side of it, but I'm concerned because some of these vendors never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. That's true. And, <laughs> and they need to reach out into like enterprise and let them know, hey, this is what you need. This is what we have. We can help you get to this AI promise land. That's right. Dan, That's right. Dan, <laughs> we're still trying to solve some of the same problems we've been trying to solve in HPC for, you know, 50, 50 years in, in weather, for example. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and they've gotten a lot better, but we can't do a, you know, a 90-day weather forecast. We can do a 90-day climate forecast. And let me just tell you, I'm still not happy with a lot of the weather I'm seeing. <laughs> well, Dan, move. Well, I might have to. But, well, uh, but a, no, that's yeah, Look into not New Mexico, Dan. I hear yeah. good things. Um, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that in order for HPC vendors to be able to penetrate this market they're going to have to speak a bit of a different language and to definitely speak to different folks different customers oh set. oh I, I agree with that because language of hpc and the language of deep learning are they don't even come close to crossing that's why i i think they're completely different problem domains and com require completely different architectures and i go back to my you know you can do parts of the weather problem in 16 bit bit uh, you know weather pressures, temperatures, and velocities. But when you start normalizing over grids and other things um, for your topography and you start, you know, trying to go out, you know, 30, 60 days, you're not doing that in 16-bit floating point. No, 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 of course not. But <clears throat> in talking about AI workloads, those architectures are going to be HPC architectures. Well, we will agree to disagree, Dan, because I don't think they are. So he's not convinced that that'll be the case, okay? Well, speaking of mixed precision, NVIDIA did announce, I was seeing the, you know, Dan, you, you were there, so you might know more about it, but they announced something called Automatic Mixed Precision, AMP, AMP, where it's an environmental variable or a few lines of code that you change, and they announced it for TensorFlow, uh, where the system is able to use mixed precision, and that's floating point 16 or floating point 32 or integer 32 or integer 8, and uh, and for some of the cases that they ran, it was something like three times faster learning mm. uh, because you didn't need the extra precision. Now, they do mention that it depends on the workload and the model. Uh, so I see it as just a technique that's available in case it can help you. But it's, it's only automatic in the sense that you can tell it where to do it. It doesn't automatically sense where to do it. Uh, I believe you're right. I did not look into it close enough to know how... How, how it figures out I, 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 I would say that you I thought it was right. on I thought it was automatic I, I got the impression from reading the article that it was automatic and it would sense it that's the, the setting of an environment variable would indicate that to me that it would just make guesses and heuristic I don't know how it decides that yeah I would like to see what what the results of the models are <laughs> on a real real applications yes. let's see let's driving around uh, you know some Let's drive around Boston with and without automatic mixed precision. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just, for some reason, that brought the image to my mind of, of your 
your camera, your forward-facing camera, suddenly shifting to Atari-like <laughs> 8-bit images with little blocky people walking and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would take. I'm, I'm. If you guys want to do this, I'm willing to put some money down on the results. <laughs> no, oh. no, 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 <laughs> no. I, I need I, to know and more. And by the way, I'm. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to be in another city when when that test takes place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, shifting gears a little bit, and something that Shaheen brought uh, to our attention is that the Chinese are planning a multi-billion-dollar investment to get themselves to the number one position on the top 500 list. That's right. Uh, this, of course, came on the heels of the DOE and Intel and Cray announcing uh, last Monday that the Argonne National Lab supercomputer will be the first exascale system by 2021. Uh, they said that it's a contract that's valued at over $500 million, and it's basically the... Uh, and the, the Argon Aurora that we've talked about in the past, that it's uh, becoming more formalized and more real. So that's really great news. Uh, a few days later, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was a report in South China Morning Post uh, journal that China plans multi-billion dollar investment. Uh, now, the headline is a little sensationalist, but essentially it shows that investments in supercomputing, especially AI-informed supercomputing, is a global priority for, for China, for the US, for Japan, for Europe, for really any part of the world that has the wherewithal to push it. And, and that's the point is if you have enough money, you can buy a system that's gonna be the fastest in the world. The question is, Oh, yeah. what's the useful work that's going to come out of that architecture, given how yes. Winpack is structured? Well, this is usually, for me, the segue to connect AI to IoT, because there's no AI without data, and there's no data without IoT. And, and, and focusing on IoT and what sort of data comes out and how it is AI-ready is another piece of the puzzle. Well, there's lots of data without IoT. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do without IoT, without sensorization out everywhere. Well, it may not be enough, though. I think one of the big learnings of deep learning over the past few years is that the amount of data you need to train these models is a lot more than you thought it would be. If, yeah, but there's still a lot of calculation. There's a lot of good this thing can do for them without it being connected to an IoT network. That's all sure, I'm saying. Sure, 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 sure. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. But this is a, this is a big big deal because you you look at um, there isn't really a time frame in here I just assume it means soonest that we can but they're gonna do this with their own processors and their own accelerators so no Intel no Nvidia uh, what maybe about their own inter interconnect I would assume interconnect too although it wasn't called out in the article you know the article I read made it look like we should expect an imminent uh, effort by them that was targeting 50% over what Summit and Sierra are right now. Yeah. So it made it totally sound like it was something that was going to happen this year in terms of just recapturing the top of the 500, not really exascale per se. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty tall order to do that on new chips, new accelerators, uh, new interconnect. But if, all, but, if you're, but, but if your goal is just to beat us, and to run Linpack, you can build a system that runs Linpack really fast. Yeah, exactly. 
even with even with brand new stuff. Yep. Or you upgrade your existing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's going to bear some watching, and especially with ISC coming up, maybe they've got something up their sleeve. Presto! Remember what was it? Rocky and Bullwinker, or was it? Yeah, it was Rocky <laughs> and Bullwinker. Something up your sleeve, Presto! That's and right. That's kind of that's kind of what this is in my mind. Make big trouble for Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Boris. Yes. I uh, wish I could do a better Russian accent. That's hey. Pretty good, Dan. Speaking of other things, do you hear that sound? That means it's time for the catch of the week. So who's got a good catch or who's got a fair catch? That sound is like a a creaking of a boat doing fishing. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, there's a buoy in the background, I think, and a fishing reel. So if 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 listeners aren't getting that, go back and listen to it 10 or 12 times. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You've You've got the time to do that. Just go back and listen to it again and again. It's a miraculous and wonderful effort by myself uh, to make it sound marine-like. Yeah, right. Well, what catches do you have, guys? What do you got, I've got, I've got? I've got a catch. What do you got, Henry? Yeah, and I always watch. I listen, watch the Krebs um, site because it's so good. You are a and Krebs fanboy. I'm a fanboy. It, it of is Krebs. a great site. This is true. If you are into cybersecurity, that's a must-stop. Yeah. So from 20, 2012 until now, Facebook has between, we're not sure, between a mere 200 million and 600 million uh, passwords and cortex that fa- 20,000 Facebook employees had access to. And we're searching. 2,000, they have no we're searching them. Now, no one said why yet, but that's a lot of cortex passwords. I just changed mine over when I saw this. I do want to point out that they have probably 1.4 billion users, so it's not all of them. <laughs> 1.4. Well, but in 2012, how many do they have? <clears throat> uh, that's a good point. Okay, that's a better point. Okay. So, so. that's uh, that's significant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Shaheen, what do you got? Uh, I've got the, this is about open source instruction set architectures again. Uh, we talked about Risk Five uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week I think. Uh, so this one is two two pieces of news. One is that Raspberry Pi now has or is going to have a Risk Five uh, version, uh, and also a new free open source software business model. Uh, so that's really interesting to watch. I think Risk Five is going to be disruptive. I think we need to reach out to those guys, maybe bring them in as a guest or something. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, the other, and we might want to do this for this next one as well. Uh, so you might remember MIPS, of course, and MIPS was uh, the chip that powered uh, Silicon Graphics in the old days. And sure. uh, Wave Computing, an AI systems company, acquired MIPS, uh, which had kind of changed hands, and the last owner was a company called Imagination Technologies. So they, they, bought, they bought MIPS, and they now have open-sourced uh, it, uh, so both 32-bit and 64-bit variants of the MIPS uh, ISA instructions and architecture are, are going to uh, require no licensing fee or royalty payments, including full license to company's MIPS-related patent portfolio. So this is really hmm. an effort to try to revive MIPS as a, as a fine chip and ISA that it is and maybe rival some of these new uh, entrants. Uh, very interesting think, to watch I don't, I don't, and see what happens. I, 
I just don't think MIPS is going to make it with Risk Five out there in the no. momentum behind Risk Five and ARM as well. I think well, we've got enough CPUs. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I think it's time will tell. I, I I'm not I'm not ready to rule them out. I think that these are early days for open source hardware, so to say, and uh, and and there is there's interest and there's a global interest and people are going to want variety and you're going to find people that gravitate that way hey henry yes let's have a vote can we rule out mips right now i vote yes i'm with you okay I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've decided uh shaheen it's uh two to one we've ruled out mips and how and and, and please note that dan and i agreed to all our listeners all, all 15 of them yes <laughs> yes, we have. We utterly agree on this. Utterly and completely. Agree well, I'm on sorry. This. On a momentous occasion, when you both agree, I have to disagree with you. So that's mm -hmm. that's too bad. Well, we've stuck a big stake in the ground. Mips is finished. <laughs> no, I, it is not. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay. go quite that far, Dan. But well, yeah. Back uh, backpedal now, Henry. Nice job. I am going to stick with my guns. Mips is done. Nothing well, to see uh, here. Move on. <laughs> so, is it up to me now on the catch? It is, yes. I've got a couple of little ones, uh, both from the register that uh, made me crack up. And uh, no, one does a, no one does a headline like the register does. Um, what this first story about is, is about vengeful sacked IT bod destroyed ex-employers AWS cloud accounts now he'll spend the rest of 2019 in the clink. This guy who was fired for poor performance set about shutting down all of the firm's Amazon Web Services instances, which is something like 500,000 uh, pounds of business critical data. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Um, and they, again, fired him for poor performance, but not quite quickly enough, I guess. Well, if he'd showed this kind of performance before they fired him, maybe well, the, he wouldn't this, have. <laughs> this kind of initiative. Yeah. You know? So I guess that this really tells you, if you're going to fire somebody, you better fire them right smartly and not to telegraph that you're going to do it. Because there, uh, there, this could hurt. Yeah. Well, but then again, he's going to jail. Yes, he is going to jail. So... I think yeah. there is something to be said for publicizing he's going to jail. Maybe yes. people will think twice. Two years. Yeah, I think now, the big lesson is don't do anything illegal. <laughs> yeah, but also there's a lesson to be had from my next story, which is IT staff locked out of data center's core switch after the only bloke who could log into it dies. <laughs> <laughs> and this is really screwing them up. And what's funny, they use uh, pseudonyms in here, but one of the guys, one of the guys who is, who is trying to bail him out of this, quote, says, Nick, which is a pseudonym for the guy that died, was absolutely not a good engineer. He knew enough to get himself by on tasks such as setting up incredibly insecure FTP servers, creating an incredibly unstable ESXi environment, and pushing out managed engine products in insecure and often ridiculous ways. So this guy, Dylan, is not taking the death of Nick very well. He's a little pissed off about trying to get into this. He's had Dell support helping him. 
and uh, trying a quote about 15 different ways to get into it and no way to do it. And a simple but, rip and replace switch, not possible because they don't know how it's set up. Well, I mean, I guess I would ask the question if he so sets up such insecure <laughs> FTP servers and uh, et cetera, and he's getting such um, a hard time and death, um, why don't they just break his password? It's called password one, password two, something like that? They are trying it. They are trying to do that. That's the first thing they tried to do. They can't get through whatever password he is. They can't get to it. So they he's a little, he's a little more secure. He's a little more secure than they, they gave him credit for. It sounds like that's the only way that he was secure. <laughs> and everything else. And maybe my suggestion might be if he sets up such ridiculously insecure things, why not go the other way and hire a hacker to hack into it and own it? And control it that way. Don't know. But that's another good thing. Disparaging, passwords. disparaging someone who's dead is not good. For not good. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm betting if you were the guy that had to fix this mess, you'd be disparaging him plenty. You'd we'll probably see. be going to his family and disparaging them as well. Because <laughs> this is a bad mess. They're going to have to wait until they have some planned downtime in April to try and unwind all this. Wow. Anyway. Maybe they can just get I think, a new switch. Uh, no, the rip and replace won't work because of the what this switch does and how it does it. They just have to hope it keeps operating until they have their planned downtime window next month. I see. So what have we learned today? We've learned to back up your passwords and make sure that in case you die, somebody can get to it, right? We've learned to fire employees outright very quickly before they can steal your data or rip, rip down your AWS instances. We've learned that the Chinese are spending multiple billions of dollars to get to the top of the top 500. And we learned that, uh, at least according to Jensen Wang, that most workloads out there are going to be run on HPC systems, which I agree with. Henry, not so sure, and Shaheen agrees with. Shaheen thinks he came up with it. Yes, she thinks he came up with it <laughs> before anybody else did. That's right. <laughs> and I agree with him, except he came up with it during a conversation with me <laughs> when I actually put the skeleton out there, so to speak. Excellent. So with and, that, we learned, and we also oh, learned that Dan and I still can agree occasionally. We can. We can agree that MIPS is dead dead as the parrot in the Monty Python sketch. How would you compare that with Itanium? I would say that they're equal stages of decomposition right now. Now we're, now we're going to disagree, Dan. No? no well, no, actually, quite. Itanium's got more life because people are still running it. <laughs> oh, MIPS is all over the place, Dan. It's... Oh, it's yep. nowhere. It's nowhere. Yeah, oh, come on. Dan, you're not correct. <laughs> but anyway, on that note. On that note of disagreement... Let's go ahead and call this an episode and stick a fork in it. Uh, thank you very much for listening, all 15 of you. And we will be coming at you with another episode of Radio Free HPC very soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening.